Well, welcome. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, what, an, what an awesome summer that we got to come through. And I know there's a little bit of like depression that happens in that statement every year. Because it's like, oh my word, summer's already over. How did that happen here in Minnesota? We have like three weeks of it, but it's great. It's a great three weeks. Um, but even as I was reflecting on this weekend and then thinking about the summer that, that happened, all that God did, it seems like in moments where we think that, that life slows down a little bit, we start going into vacation mode, that God still is, is moving. And my summer started uh, actually in Swaziland. I was able to preach in our Swaziland campus leading a global team. I encourage you, if you haven't been on a global team, do it. Get on a global team. Uh, it was an absolutely amazing experience that I know awesome things happened through other global teams, through youth teams, uh, through camp for both our kids and our youth. God was doing amazing things. And then we wrapped it all up last weekend with 44 people being baptized in water at the Apple Valley Water Park. And that's worth celebrating for. I just, I love, I love being a part of a church that, that doesn't slow down. Uh, I know there's times where that can be stressful, but uh, I don't know why we would stop. Jesus hasn't stopped, so we shouldn't either. So I love continuing to go forward. Today though, I wanna talk to you about a revelation uh, that, that Peter had. And um, it's found in, in Acts chapter 10. You can start to flip there in your Bibles or get there on, on whatever device you may have your, your Bible on. It's going to be Acts chapter 10. We're actually going to jump in kind of at the end of Acts chapter 10. So I want to give you some backstory before we get there. Uh, first of all, we see, we see Peter. And Peter, uh, I love Peter. Uh, Peter is one of my favorite people in Scripture outside of Jesus. Uh, because Peter... He doesn't always say the right things. Um, I feel like I can relate to Peter at times. But Peter, after, after the Gospels, after his time with Jesus, uh, stumbles into leadership. And I know that sounds funny because he's the, like the first leader of the church. That's kind of what we see him as uh, after Jesus. Uh, but he kind of stumbled there. The reason that I believe that Peter became the leader of the church is, is similar to if, if you were, were just looking in on a business meeting and you didn't know the business and you didn't know anyone in the room and you were just kind of an outsider, you were standing there, nobody had, had titles or whatever else. And then you pulled away and said, who's the leader? You would probably pick the guy that talked the most. Like that, obviously, I think he was leading the meeting because he was talking the most. I'm pretty sure that's how Peter ended up as the leader. It wasn't because he was the, the, the brightest one in the, in the bunch. It was because he talked the most. Uh, throughout the gospels, we see him talking and it's never usually positive. It's always Jesus going, Okay, Peter, let's back this up again. Not where I was headed with it. Uh, but then something amazing happens in the book of Acts. Jesus ascends to heaven and the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2. And, and people are, are being filled with the Spirit and they're starting to speak in tongues. And all of a sudden, all of these onlookers are, are kind of gawking. They're trying to figure out what's happening. And they're like, what is going on with these people? And once again, it's Peter that steps up because he likes to talk. And in that moment, I can only imagine there's probably other disciples that are like, wait, no, no, not you. But instead, Peter steps up to the window. And what we see in Acts chapter 2 is Peter delivers uh, the most amazing, the first clear gospel message that's ever been proclaimed that says, you know what? Here is everything that Jesus' life encapsulated. And here's what needs to happen for you 
to have a relationship with Jesus. And at the end of Acts chapter 2, we see that 3,000 people accept Jesus that day. From that moment, Peter is kind of catapulted into leadership. And he's going around then for the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts. It's really following Peter around. There's other people, Stephen's involved, and other disciples are there. And it's the story of them. But Peter's really the leader of that early church. And what they're doing, though, is they're speaking almost primarily to the Jewish people, to the Jewish culture. They're saying, here's, here's what we were waiting for. As, as, as the Jews, we were waiting for this Messiah. This is the person we were waiting for. I'm here to tell you that Jesus was the Messiah. We need to put our faith in him. And, and his focus is on this culture. But something shifts in Acts chapter 10. The beginning of the chapter, there's, there's a net that is lowered down in front of, in front of Peter. And it's got all of these, these, these animals in it that their meat would be considered unclean to the Jewish culture. But yet God says to him, Peter, go take and eat. And he's like, you know, I can't do that. You know that that's, that's not part of the rules. It's not what, what, I, what, I, what, what I've adhered to do. I'm, I'm, I'm staying, staying the course. And it happens three times. And finally, God says, if I've declared something clean, don't call it unclean. It says there's some people that are coming to you and, and they're going to ask you to come with them and they have some questions about Jesus and about religion and God and all of these things. You need to go with them even though they're Gentiles, which would have been one of these moments where, where Peter's like, wait a second, that's, that's not my calling. That's not, that's not what I do. I, um, I'm here to explain that Jesus is the Messiah to the chosen people of Israel, the, the Jews. It's, 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 it's for us, it's not for them. But when God says, to go, Peter follows. What happens is he enters into Cornelius's house. Um, we see this amazing moment where Cornelius and his household believe in Jesus Christ and are saved in that moment. And even more than that, are then filled with the spirit in that moment. It's an amazing picture of all of a sudden we're breaking barriers. That, 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 that this gospel is for everyone. And Peter declares this, our text for today in Acts chapter 10. Verse 34, reading from the message version, it says, it's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do what he says, the door is open. That's what we get to declare. That's what the message is for the rest of the New Testament, that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your background or your past. All that matters is the door is open for your future. If you wanted a title today, if you're taking notes, that would be the title. It's just this, the door is open. We're going to talk about a couple of different doors. And, and this is, uh, it's a common theme in, in today's language, in, in the English language. We'll talk about open and closed doors. We'll, we'll, we'll pray for an open door. If someone's looking for, for a job in a company, we'll say, hey, you know, we, we pray that there's an open door to, to you. Or if someone doesn't get a job, we, we say, hey, maybe it's just a closed door. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure another one will open. And there's this concept of, of opening doors and, and closing doors. Um, but the first door that I want to talk to you today about for a little bit is, is really this. It's the door to your future. It's the door to your future. And before we even dive into that, we have to just grasp this truth before we talk about our future, is that God holds the key to all of the doors. God holds the key to every door that you are going to encounter. So when we start talking about your future, there's, there's nothing that's impossible. There's no, there's no place that he can't take you in your future. If you, if you look 
at, at where you're headed or where, where you want to go, be encouraged by scripture in knowing that he holds the door or holds the key to every one of the doors. We, we reference Jeremiah 29, 11, and I think there's so many times where, where it's almost becoming like John 3, 16, where it's like Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah 29, 11. But I don't know if we read it enough so that people know exactly what Jeremiah 29, 11 is. It says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for you to prosper, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Some of you may just need to memorize that verse. Some of you may need to just write that verse down on, on like a five by seven card and put it on your mirror. So every morning when you wake up, uh, it doesn't matter what you, your mood may be when you wake up, but know that God has an amazing plan for you, not for harm, but for you to prosper, for you to have an amazing future. God has laid it all out in front of you and God will take you to the most amazing future you could ever imagine. God's plans for our life are always way better than our own. When we think about what we want to do, when we think about uh, what, what seems fun and interesting, there is no way for us to even imagine everything that God, God has laid out for us. No matter what your wildest dreams would be, God has bigger plans for you. Because of this is because he's already taken care of details. You see, in most of our plans, we don't think through all of the details. Has anyone ever gotten to a moment where uh, you're like, you, you get further down your plan and then someone asks you what the next step is and you're like, ah, I didn't really get this far in the planning process. Um, I remember as, as a kid, we, I grew up in the country. I have a brother who's two years older than me. So we, um, we did a lot of really dumb things in our life. Those of you who have brothers, you know. Um, so we, we once found this uh, ladder. Uh, it was a metal ladder. It was in this shed that had been run down and nobody had been in it. Not sure why we were in it, probably shouldn't have been, but we were. And there was a ladder, so um, we were like, hey, there's a ladder, we're boys, let's cut it up. So we go and get the hacksaw from my dad's garage and, and we, we cut it and realize um, the, the long rung on the side is hollow. So if you cut a longer extension here and then cut off the part of the rung, it kind of looks like a gun. And if it's hollow, we could put bottle rockets in it and we could shoot bottle rockets at each other. Like I said, have you ever thought through or done something that the plan didn't add up? So I thought we were on a team together because that's what the older brothers convinced the younger brothers. But every older brother knows that that's not really the plan. That The moment the younger brother turns his back, he becomes the target. So my brother, in all of his love and grace, takes the first bottle rocket, lights it, drops it in there, and from point blank range is about ready to shoot me with a bottle rocket. But thank God he doesn't think through plans very well. The backside of it, if you ever shot a bottle rocket, you realize that for a bottle rocket to fire, it shoots sparks out the back to propel it forward. And it's still hollow on the backside. So pretty much what's happening is he is now holding a flaming bottle rocket onto the back of his wrist because he didn't really think through all of the details of his plan. And there's times where we end up in life where we get to a spot that we think is gonna be great, we think is gonna be so much fun, we think that it's gonna, gonna fulfill us in life, but we haven't actually thought through the details, but we can trust in God's plan for our future because it's not that he just sets the plans in place, but he also thinks through the details. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, Here's the kicker, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
It's not just that we're getting out on a limb and we're trying to figure out this this thing called our future. It's not that we're just kind of running after this plan that may be pie in the sky. It may may pan out for us. What it is, is God has already set things up in advance before us that we get to do that he's already thought through all the details. So all all we have to do is walk through the door to our future and watch where God has take, take or will take us. You know, there's so many times where, where I hear the, this, this phrase when I talk to people about, hey, they got a new job or whatever, and they'll say this phrase called, then they'll say, man, I feel like I've been created for this. I've, I've been created for this. And I believe that that's actually true because number one, we are God's handiwork. That's what we just read. And number two, he's actually created things in advance for us to do. So he's created you and he's created your future and he wants to lead you through the doors to your future to get to the fulfillment of what God has already set in place for you. That's the door that we get to walk through. That's where the fulfillment comes from is doing what God has created us to do because of the talents that God has created us with in the process. Jesus himself, even when talking about all of this future, says, says these words. He talks about the anxiety that so often we feel as we're trying to walk towards that plan for the future. And he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'll be honest with you, that's, that's a verse that when you read it, gives you warm fuzzies. And then when you leave, it's not as easy to remember all of those warm fuzzies. It's like, hey, he's tomorrow. We'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And then you get to tomorrow and there's still stress and anxiety. And you're like, wait a second, there really is enough stress and anxiety. And yet God is saying, don't worry about it. I will take care of you in the midst of it. And I think that one of the reasons that we struggle with that is because the door to our future isn't always as easy as as we would like it to be. The door to our future so often in our minds looks way more like this, this scene that's the warehouse scene of the doors in Monsters, Inc. When all of a sudden you walk into this room and there's doors everywhere. And you're like, I don't, I don't know which one is my door to the future. What if I choose the wrong door? What if I'm going into someone else's future? Then not only have I ruined my future, but I've ruined their future because I'm living out their future before they can live out their future. And it becomes this anxiety that we become overwhelmed with. And what it does is it, it, it causes us to just stay exactly where we're at. We don't take the steps into what God has called us to do, what he's prepared for us to do, and to not actually worry about tomorrow. And and a lot of times we would say that that's fear that's holding us back. I think it's a little bit deeper than that. I think it's a little bit more than that. Um, I would say that it's probably the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of the unknown. And I want to talk to that just for a minute because I believe God already answered that question. As we talk about the, the fear of the unknown, let's jump back to that original passage in Acts chapter 10. It actually ends with this. If you want God and are ready to do what he says, the door is open. So you're not choosing the door anyway. You're doing what God says. It's not about just just walking up to a door and finding out if it's your future. It's still in the midst of looking at every door, hearing the God of voice, being in tune with, with, with God's spirit in our lives, reading his word and, and knowing the voice and the word of God so that we, as the scripture talks about, would know his voice and be able to follow his plan. He will lead us to the right door. It's not about pursuing your path anyway. It's about pursuing God's word. 
It's not about pursuing a path that you're on. It's about doing what God says and watching where those actions will take you. We're not making it on our own. We're, we're following God's lead. Have you ever been to a city that, that you've never been to before? Have you ever been to a place where, where you're trying to explore, but you don't really know where you're headed? Um, one, of my, one of my first missions trips, uh, I got to go to Copenhagen, Denmark. And the cool part wasn't just the ministry that happened there. There were some amazing things that happened, but my brother was actually the missionary. And I got to go see him. And there were times that as, as brother privilege would have it, he would say, hey, the group is going to go this way. Let's go over here real quick. And, and there were times where it was, it was so much fun because we got to go to, to coffee shops and, and Copenhagen's an amazing city and they have amazing pastries and amazing little coffee shops. And people would stop and he's like, whoa, whoa, that's the commercial one. Let's go down this alley over here. I'm going to take you to this one over here that's absolutely amazing. And that's, there's, there's something about walking with someone that you trust and walking with someone who's been there before. That's what it's like to walk with God. It's not just about having someone else lead you around as you both kind of blindly walk through life. It's about someone who not only knows where he's going, but created everything in your path and says, you know what, let's skip that one because there's something around the corner that's greater than you're going to ever imagine. That's what it means to follow God. It's not just about guessing about the path. It's about pursuing his word and doing what it says. The second door is this, is the door to our heart. Each and every one of us have a door to our heart. And while we talked about the door uh, to our future and how God holds all the keys to the doors to our future, there's one door that God will not force his way through. And that's the door to our heart. The door to our heart is something that we have to open to him. He's not going to push his way through. Revelations 3, chapter 20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and opens the door, I will come in. It's, it's that simple. Before we get into our future, before we start to even follow the plans of God, we have to have a relationship with God. We have to say, God, we want you to be a part of my life. I want you to be in my heart. Because God, when we make him our God, is no longer just the consultant. He's our God. The difference is a consultant wants, wants you to, to have the best business deal so that you can retire early and he can get paid. All right, that's, that's what a consultant does. But Jesus, on the other hand, has already paid the price for you to not just, not just get the best of work, but for you to be the best that you can be so that you can have eternal and abundant life. There's such a difference in that. It's not just something where we come back to scripture and show up and say, hey God, I need something for today because I have this decision to make and then I'll check back in in a month. But to be the God of our life, to be the Lord of our life, as we open that door and say, God, we want you not just to be our savior, but our Lord lead and guide us. That's where God really can, can take us to where he needs to be. I think too often in today's culture that we, we treat God like a consultant. We want him to show up. We, we have, have a call for prayer uh, when disaster happens, um, which is all good. We should in those moments. But that shouldn't be the only time we're seeking God's plan for our life. It shouldn't be the only time we're seeking God's provision. Instead, we need to open the door to our lives, the door to our hearts, and allow God to be God so that he can be uh, who he's supposed to be in our life. That's where fulfillment really happens. 
It's not about doing what you're supposed to do. It's not even about feeling, um, feeling fulfilled in what you do or walking into the future that, that you feel created for. Fulfillment happens by doing so with a relationship with God. I'm here to tell you today that even if uh, you do everything successful and you, you live the life that, that you were so-called meant to live, but do so without Jesus Christ with you, you're still not going to feel the fulfillment that God has for you. You may be here in this place and, and you feel like you've, you've done everything, you've, you've, you've achieved everything, but there's still a void. It's because Jesus is still standing at the door and knocking, saying, if you would just let me in, I will come in and I will eat with you. There'll be a relationship. It's not just about me guiding you around. It's about us doing this together. And today at the end of service, I want you to know that you'll have an opportunity to accept Jesus today, to open that door to your life so that you can begin this journey towards fulfillment of what God has for you. But before we go there, I believe there's still another door. These first two doors are, are about our, our walk here. They're, they're about our future. They're about uh, our personal relationship with Jesus. But I believe that while both of those things are, are great, while both of those things are important to us, God didn't just put us on this planet to feel fulfilled and have a relationship with him, but he also wants to open the last door, which is the door to the world. Because it's not just about us. It's that we are placed here because there's other people here that need to hear the same message that we are there and called to impact. What Peter is actually saying in this, this Acts chapter 10 passage that we're talking about is that the gift of both salvation through Jesus and the guidance through the Holy Spirit is for anyone and everyone. Therefore, if that is his mission, if that's what God has revealed to him, every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ need to understand that and that needs to be our mission in life as well. That no matter what we're doing, no matter what walk of life, no matter what future God has in store for us, the purpose of it all is to help people understand that the message of hope through Jesus and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit is for every person, no matter where they are, no matter where they come from. God's plan for your life uh, is greater, it's more exciting than you could ever imagine. As a matter of fact, we even see that in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now uh, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. Greater than you could ever imagine. Your future is, is brighter. Your life is more impactful. You are placed on this planet for, for bigger reasons, for greater things than you can ever imagine. It's not just for you as you open the door to your heart and walk into your future that your world will change and God will be able to impact people through you. That's what happened to Peter. He never dreamed that the message of Jesus could go to the length it could go. He was doing what he was, was called to do. He was working amongst the Jews. That's what, that's what he felt that he was supposed to be doing. He was trying to, to get people into, into that walk and say, this is what it was. But all of a sudden what Jesus did, even though Peter was extremely successful with the early church, the church is booming, said it's bigger than this. It's bigger than you can imagine. It's greater than you could ever imagine. There's more in store. So I think two things should happen with that. I think number one, it should encourage you. If you feel down, if you feel like, like you're, you're spinning your tires, you're in a rut, you don't know uh, what God has in store for you, you should be encouraged today. God has amazing things in store and he's not gonna make you guess about it. He's going to lead you through the door into it. He wants to have a relationship. He wants to guide and direct you into it. But I think number two, it should also inspire you. If you're here today and, and you're saying, you know what, I, I love what I do. I'm in the spot that God has called me to do. 
it should inspire you that maybe there's something even greater. Maybe you're not called to leave where you're at. Maybe you're not called to do something different. Maybe you are, I don't know. But maybe God just wants to take your influence to another level. Just like what happened with Peter, he didn't change his message. He didn't change his, his profession or where he was even at, but it changed who it went to. It went bigger than he could ever imagine. And we should be inspired today to never come up short of what God has called us to do. If you're still here and still following God, he's got more people for you to impact. There's greater things in store for you. Peter was, was successful, uh, but God wasn't his consultant. God was his God. And so there's more for you in store. And we get to walk forward in that. James 1.22 says this, don't merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. We live in a culture where um, the word of God is, is, is pretty prevalent. I know there's people without Bibles in America, but at the same time, there's, there's um, Bibles that we can, we can hand out. There's a stat that we talk about in Alpha, and I encourage you to be a part of that if you haven't the number of Bibles per household is approaching double digits. The word of God is, is prevalent in our culture, whether it's preachers on, on, online or on TV. But I think the problem with, with our culture today isn't a lack of saturation. It's that, we, that we've listened to the word of God and so deceived ourselves and stopped walking through the doors that he's opening for us. It's not just about hearing it. It's not just about coming to church on a weekend and getting inspired and being a part of what's going on here. This should inspire you. This should, this should cultivate something in you to do something greater than you could ever imagine because that's what God has called us to do. It's not about this, it's about what God has called us to do outside of this place because the message of hope, the message of Jesus is for anyone and for everyone. Amen. It's time for us to expand our reach. It's time for us to expand personally where God has called us to be. So the two challenges as we close today is this, what door do you need to walk through? What door do you need to walk through? What, what has God called you to do? So often we find ourselves praying for God to open a door when I think he's responding with, hey, you haven't walked through the one I just opened. You walk through this one. I'll open the other one on the other side, but the, the door that you can't see right now that I wanna open for you is on the other side of a door that you haven't walked through. I know this, that so often as I talk to people, whether it's in counseling situations or just conversations, they know what they are supposed to do. They know what is next. And I think today we know what is next for us, but I believe there's people here that let this be an encouragement to you that God is still holding that door open. Walk through it. God has a plan for you and God has amazing things greater than you could ever imagine on the other side of that door. The second thing is this, is what's stopping you from walking through that door. Hearing the word of God and doing what it says. I encourage you, and I know we talk about it a lot, but it's because you can't get enough of the word of God from someone preaching to you for 30 minutes on the weekend. We have to be in scripture. We have soap cards every month that are at the Welcome Center. You can pick them up. It's two chapters a day. We encourage you, we, I, I stand here as a pastor. I want you all to come to church. I love that we get to come together. There's, this is so appropriate and something we should do to come together and celebrate, but this can't be it. You don't eat once a week. 
You don't get, you don't, you don't get direction once a week. Let it be constant. I know this, that, that if I'm being judged on something by my boss, if he says, hey, here's what I want you to do, I wanna make sure that I have exact clarity because I don't wanna give them a good product. I want to give them the right product. I wanna give them what they want. And I think too often in life we can skate through because we think that we are good people and we're doing good things, but God is saying, I have greater things in store and what's right for you is actually bigger than what you're doing right now, but you've got to seek my voice on it. I don't know what's stopping you from walking through that door, but I encourage you, it's time for us to walk through some doors as a church. It's time for us to walk into the destiny that God has for us, to open the doors of our hearts so that God could come in and speak to us so that we can go into the future and impact the world for the name of Jesus Christ. Today in closing, I wanna do this with, with every head bowed and every eye closed. I said that, that I would come back to this. If there's somebody here today that you haven't taken that first step, you haven't opened your heart to Jesus and made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. That is where it all starts. When he comes in, he stops being a consultant. This stops being just a good book, the Bible that we read, but starts to become, starts to become guidance, his word, and it's active in our lives. And if today you've been missing that and say, today I realize that God is standing at the door and knocking. Today I wanna open it up, allow him in, and let him be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I just wanna ask you this, nobody looking around, I just want you to slip up your hand even right now and say, include me in your prayer. I wanna make Jesus the Lord and savior of my life, even right now, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, I'm proud of you, thank you, thank you. Hands still going up, thank you. Here's what I wanna do is hands all over. I wanna pray a prayer. It's a simple prayer that, that's just gonna say that, God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've fallen short, but today I received the free gift of Jesus Christ. And then we're gonna to commit to, to following him, admitting our wrongs and following him. Scripture says in Romans that all of us have fallen short. We've all sinned, we've all failed, but Jesus paid the price. And if we put our hope in him and follow him, that we're guaranteed eternal life with Jesus. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say a couple of words and I want you to repeat after me and here at River Valley Church, nobody prays alone. So we're all gonna repeat after me. So if you would start with this and say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for what I've done. But today I realize that your son Jesus died on a cross for my sins. Today I receive that. Today I commit to following you. I want you to be Lord of my life from this day forward. God, I thank you so much for the hands that were raised. I thank you for the people that put their hope in you. God, we know that from this day forward, things change that it's not about just us doing what, we're, what we think we can do, but it's following your voice, following your lead. So God, today, let us be a church that follows your call to walk into our future, to impact the world, because there is no one 
that is apart from you. Your message of hope is for anyone and everyone. We commit to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.